she is making a lino cut print. So she's doing the final stage printing the actual uh, image onto paper. What, is, what does that have to do with what you guys do in the lab? Surely you've learned something by now. <laughs> Surely he can't be this dumb the entire series. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Level two, Lichen Lab. It's artist. It is artist research. Uh, it's 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 related to her backyard animals project. So um, she's uh, making images that are related to the backyard animal research that she's doing. So I'm doing a lino cut of an animal. Um, in this case, a hare. So that's Lila Armstrong, who's one of the PhD students, and uh, she is an artist, but then she's also doing a project um, about looking at backyard animals. That I've picked up on camera in someone's backyard. So I'm doing a whole series of lino cuts, but they're all of animals that have appeared in backyards within Lethbridge city limits. Um, and so can you can you talk a little bit more about the actual dissertation? Um, like... Why backyard animals, and also, like, what what exactly about backyard animals are you studying? Okay, so I'm interested in the nature-culture divide. So I'm really interested in knowing whether or not people see themselves as being a part of nature or as separate from nature. And there's kind of a whole history of us seeing ourselves as being separate from nature. So, like a hundred years ago, we went out and we, you know, mapped things and exploited natural resources. But more recently, we now see ourselves as having to protect and preserve nature. But in both cases, we're standing outside of nature and acting upon it. So I really want to get to that core kind of thing where people don't see themselves as a part of nature, even though we so clearly are. Um, it kind of reminds me of um, when when we were talking about uh, Donald's project um, and how we couldn't quite pinpoint where the art was because you can put a frame around it. Um, it's like where's where's the nature? Is it is it the grass or is it like are we in it? Are, are we out of it? But I think that's a that's kind of the point of what. Leela's trying to get out, which is that we think we know what we're talking about when we talk about nature and we talk about culture, but do we really? How, how are we dealing with these things? So we are part of nature. If you if you take a naturalistic, scientific view of things, then humans have to be part of nature. We don't stand outside it in some in some kind of overarching way. We are we're made of like sunshine and dirt and you know water like everything else on the planet so we have to be part of nature we're we're composed of it and this is where the art part comes in in terms of it's it's something that because people have such uh strongly embedded assumptions and it's really hard to step out and have another perspective and so when uh by doing these kinds of things like 
we think of trail cams as being something that you put out on the you know on a wilderness to capture you know things well away from the city. You don't think of putting it, you know, hanging it from the birch tree in your front yard. Um, but also that that's that's the strength of what art can do is can like shift people out of their kind of everyday assumptions and kind of experience and give them a a new way of looking at this idea. Yeah, and I mean it's really interesting. You know, one of the things that I find over and over and over again is that people will say about animals that have been either introduced or animals that have shown up within the city because humans are here. So they're actually attracted to human domains because they thrive in association to humans, that they will often say, well, they were here before us. We need to protect them. You know, there's definitely this idea that nature is something that we need to look after, but that we're separate. We're kind of like these, you know, overseers that have to. Yeah, that's like, so we stand outside yeah. of nature and it's our job to protect it or dominate it yeah. or maintain it or something like that. But we never see ourselves as part of part the equation, of it, yeah. Which is odd when you think about it. Well, it's not really odd because we're, that's sort of very, that is itself a very human thing to do. But I think the, the nice thing about, Leela's project is it really she's she's entering into the scientific realm she's becoming a scientist to do this it's it's a systematic study it's not just it's not well I shouldn't have used the word just it's not research for an art project and part of her practice alone it's it's an attempt to sort of okay how I'm, I'm going to learn the methods and the ways in which I can tackle this problem scientifically by doing an urban ecology of Lethbridge I will uh, record and monitor and get a do a systematic survey of where animals are found and what people think about them and I'll try to make that representative I'm now talking like Le as though I am Leela I'm just like, uh, <clears throat> and then and then through that that's also informing Leela's practice so that so when she's making these lino cuts they come from the, the animals that have been spotted as part of her scientific survey and then it all comes together because then the one of the end products is to put together an exhibition for the community that everyone can attend and see and then her work that people have contributed to that work they have the the backyard wilderness exhibition will be Leela's artistic expression of this project but done in a way that will allow people to come and understand something about the the ecology of the city in which they live and hopefully with so it's another element of of lichen lab is to say okay we've looked at how do how do you get people to engage with art um how do you get the public to engage with art and then this is to say can we use art to get people to engage with scientific subjects is that a way to do it is this is this is, can we really take the lessons of 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 how artists know how to communicate things to people because what what's often lacking in science communication is, is I don't know what you want to call it, like emotion or empathy or connection, that you want to get people to really connect with these things. And that's what I think artists are good at. Uh, it's, and it really brings up for me back to Alva Noe, uh, <laughs> who I know you guys have really been talking a lot about, but <clears throat> back to Alva Noe, so where he talks about, um, he talks about first level activity and second level activity. You guys have 
gone over that a bit. Um, but how he talks about second level reorganizing activity as being a way of presenting us to ourselves and getting, giving, kind of giving ourselves a chance to relearn something or reimagine something or rethink something completely. And I think that that's hopefully the way that the exhibition is going to work. It'll give people that opportunity. Um, Alvin Noe talks about exhibitions being boring, which I found really <laughs> very funny because I, I personally don't find them boring. I mean, there might have been a time. Oh, I've seen boring exhibitions. <laughs> <laughs> there might have been a time ages ago when I did, but he talks about uh, art exhibitions as being boring. You go into the gallery and there's like this bunch of impenetrable works and you might end up just leaving the gallery feeling bored. Um, but you might spend a little bit more time and kind of try to pierce through that boredom. So it might be that you have a friend with you and the friend stands in front of the artwork and goes, wow, you know, I really love that yellow up in the corner and the way that that light reflects. And, you know, it really reminds me of X or Y or something. And you get really excited about it too and you start to really engage and then that's your, you know, entry point into the work. And that would be kind of like a second level activity for you. So it, it, in a way, it's the impenetrability of it that makes it boring because it doesn't connect with you in any way. Yeah. So I think one of the key things about an art exhibit or as an artist, what you're going to try to do is provide opportunities for people to jump in. And so that's really about finding ways to be engaging. This isn't just something that leaders cooked up and thought, right, this is something that interests me and I'm going to try and interest you in it. The people she's interviewed and who have, you know, been um, willing to allow cameras to be placed in their gardens, they're in this, they're going to be in this exhibition. They'll come and see themselves in it. Their responses to, to the surveys and interviews are informing the artworks that Leela's going to produce. They're already informing the artworks in the form of her lino cuts. They're animals that people have been um, monitoring and have monitored and, and commented on in their back gardens. So when they when people come, they will be part of this exhibition. It will be they will have produced it. They will be artists in a, in a way they are, they are instrumental in the production of this not just they're not just coming to look at it and be informed they're coming to as people who have participated in the production of art and in this new understanding of what nature is and what wildlife is and how we think about wildlife in cities and hopefully I mean I think one of the the aims that Leela has and she should really say this herself but what she's always said is that if it can help generate a feeling in people that there is something worth protecting and that they will feel invested in in not only the wildlife of, of the city of Lethbridge but wildlife in Canada more generally and the you know the and on a global scale more generally and be more willing to think about it and take some kinds of action and I think that's where the art part is very important. Yeah absolutely I mean I I think that had I not I mean, being doing a PhD, I, ne I never would have had, you know, a reason or thought of a reason to meet with 50 different people, to go into their yards, to set up cameras, to put an online survey up and have, you know, over 1% of the population of Lethbridge responded to that survey. And so to have that kind of feedback from so many people is really been 
completely amazing, but also really exciting and has really sparked within me this desire to, to very much so collaborate with them in terms of the art making process and what that exhibition is going to be like. And I think it'll, it'll be a big part of the exhibition as well. So it's also that idea of, uh, the, the public programming kind of being folded in with the exhibition. So it's not the, the sort of notion where you have an exhibition and then afterwards try to figure out, oh, how am I going to connect this to people and how am I going to make it engaging that it's part of the actual production of the work, but it's also part of the way that Leela's planning the exhibition. And then she also will be doing a, a billboard project as well that will be up around the city when the exhibition's on. Yeah, so there's going to be a public um, art billboard project with six billboards in the city, and uh, the images are also going to play on the large screen outside of CASA. Uh, so, I mean, I think that people are going to remember, oh, yeah, I remember doing that survey. I remember, you know, seeing that in the newspaper. I remember that project, and, and really that is an entry point for them into further dialogue about it. And I think the nice thing about that is that we're, it gets away from the the deficit model that people have with respect to how you have to learn about and engage with art and how you learn about and, and engage with science and have an understanding of that, which is to say, oh, well, you don't have this special knowledge, and so we're the experts and we're going to give you the special knowledge that you're lacking, rather than saying, what do you what are you interested in? Yeah. What would you like to know more about? How can we how can we fuel your enthusiasm for something that you're already you already have this curiosity about? How can we enhance and, and, and deepen and expand your knowledge and give you tools that allow you to go away and, and, and get more of this knowledge for yourself that you can become an a, a, an expert in it for yourself that we can all participate these aren't these are all human activities we can be amateur scientists and you know and we can be we can all be artists so I think that you know, as my, I wouldn't want to go back to the sort of Victorian era where the only people who were scientists were independent, you know, beardy, old white dudes like, you know, Darwin and everything. Darwin was great. But really, the, the notion of being a scientist then was the sort of, it was like a gentlemanly pursuit. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't a professional thing you did. It's a, it's a sort of recent invention that scientists have become, a there's a professionalization of what, what you get up to. And, but of course, anyone can do science. It's the the problem of of that professionalization of these things is that people then think, well, that's not for me. In the same way that you know, music used to be everyone used to sort of play the instruments and join in with the singing, and now we've got a model where there's one person up on the stage and everyone else sits down and keeps quiet and is entertained by them. But that's also a recent model for how music and entertainment work. At, at one point, everyone would just join in with it. So. The, the participatory aspects of this are really important as well because otherwise it is just asking people to passively consume things whereas they could be actively involved in the production of them. Yeah, and, and really creating the citizen scientist. Yeah. I wasn't sure if you'd actually used that phrase yet or not. No, no, no. So I'm throwing it out there. But you can, <laughs> you can use it if you'd rather. Well, I have actually really, I mean, one of the things, another thing that I find really exciting about it is that people after they have the camera come and I send them all the images that I found in their yard. Um, some people actually go out and get trail cameras. And one fellow um, who I just love, um, he actually read about the project, 
went and got a trail camera, set it up in his garage, <laughs> took images of mice uh, getting caught in mouse traps uh, in his garage, and then contacted me and said, hey, I've got these images, you're going to want them. And it was like, yeah, you're right, I do. I really do want this, and I really do want to talk to you about this. Oh, you do actually want to see like mice getting... Well, I mean, I just, I, I was really interested in this person who was so interested in the project that, that he kind of did skipped himself. many steps, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I and and he also took it a little further he because little further you're not setting up traps for anything. <laughs> no, we're not trying to trap anything. But also, I mean, just to hear his viewpoint on things is very interesting. And that, you know, and that, that popped into his head, oh, I'm going to do this because he heard about the project. So the great thing about uh, involving people as citizen scientists where they're actually collaborating where the cameras go, they're talking about their feelings about the animals, you know, what about their yard attracts animals, is that it really does help to break down that barrier between us and them, between, you know, people as standing outside of nature and these animals as being part of nature, that's something separate. So what I'm really hoping is that uh, really, you know, twigs for people and they become invested in having animals within the city and the role that that can play in terms of just making our cities more interesting places to live in. And hopefully that can lead to some sort of advocacy around it. Part of the whole process of having the camera in their yards is we sit down and we have a brief interview and those interviews can be as short as like five minutes or they can go on for almost an hour depending on what people have to say. And I ask them a series of questions. Um, you know, how do you know animals are visiting your yard? Do you know animals are visiting your yard? Because some people, they know, like they've seen a skunk or the, a raccoon, but others, they just want to find out if there's something there. And what's really interesting is usually there's something is, so that there is something that's visiting, so then they get really excited about it. So, I mean, I know for me, one of the things that I've gotten out of it is just learning about skunks, because I was always like just stuck on being worried that my dog's going to get sprayed. And uh, and I've learned all this these things about skunks, like the fact that they eat slugs and they, you know, they eat wasps, which is the one that really blew me away. Um, but finding out that they're actually quite, uh, they're desirable to have skunks in your yard. And that I, I can't remember if you remember this, Leela, but there was... Some was it a farmer who'd introduced? Yeah, skunks? I read an article um, somewhere. I'm trying to remember where it was exactly. Where a farmer, instead of having, uh, you know, cats in his barns, was trying to attract skunks to the barns for the very same reason: is that they control mice, they go after um, snakes, they go after harmful insects. So they're actually helpful. Lichen Lab podcast is produced by myself, Marvik Adiser, and the principals of Level 2 Lichen Lab, Christine Clark, Louise Barrett, and Josephine Mills. Our audio engineers are Matthew Erdman, Matt Rutterberg, and Jake Kadike. Funding support for this project is provided by the Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada and Canada Council for the Arts. 
Visit our website, likeinlab.ca, for show notes and to see more about the ideas and people featured on the show. You can listen to all episodes of Lycan Lab Podcast Season 1 through iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks.